Hey y'all, welcome back. We're continuing our journey through 1 Samuel. Today we're in chapter 26, starting with verse 1. Now some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him David is hiding on the hill of Hekelah, which overlooks Jeshimon. Okay, so these people from Ziph, this is the second time that these people went to Saul, at least the second recorded time, that he these people went, these same people went to Saul and tattled on David. I don't know what's up with that, but they're definitely quite the tattletales. In verse 2, so Saul took 3,000 of Israel, Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped along the road beside the hill of Aquila near Jeshimon, where David was hiding. When David learned that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, he sent out spies to verify the report of Saul's arrival. David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were sleeping inside a ring formed by the slumbering warriors. Who will volunteer to go in there with me? David asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai the son of Zeria, Joab's brother. I'll go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck into the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. Okay, so I'm just going to pause a minute here. So David is definitely standing in faith that God is with him and he just walks right into the enemy camp. There, There's 3,000 men here out to kill David and him and Abishai just walk right into this camp. And Abishai is actually David's nephew and he David knew Saul was coming, and Saul is still after David. He is still out to kill David, and he has 3,000 men in here, and they're all out to get him. Again, they're trying to kill David. David has 600 men versus these 3,000. Keep that in mind. And he only brings one other man, his nephew, with him as they march right into camp and just go and check things out. And David has a chance here again. The sword is stuck in the ground right by his head. This is the same sword that Saul slew at David trying to murder him before. The same sword is stuck in the ground right beside Saul's head. And he once again has a chance to take Saul's life as everyone around him is sleeping. So we'll see what he decides to to do here. All right, where were we? In verse 8, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. So here everyone's sleeping and he whispers over to him like, hey, look, now's your chance, David. In verse 9, no, David said, don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down some day, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one that he has anointed as king, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. So he is standing on faith 
in God and the fact that, you know what, God's going to handle this. I trust God. God has anointed me as the next king. So he's going to bring that forth. So he's following the principle that God knows what he is doing. And he's just going to stand and trust and have faith in God. And Saul is just sleeping and has no idea that he could have once again been, have been killed. And David, he doesn't do it. He doesn't kill Saul. Once again, he stands on faith in God instead. In verse 12, so David took the spear and jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. So we can trust God. God has the best way for us. And here David is trusting in God and God's timing. David knows that God's way is the best way every single time. And he trusts in that. In verse 13, David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at a safe distance. Then he shouted down to the, sh the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, wake up, Abner. Who is it? Abner demanded. Well, Abner, you're a great man, aren't you? David taunted. Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? So why haven't you guarded your master, the king, when someone came to kill him? This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord that you and your men deserve to die because you failed to protect your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around. Where are the king's spear and the jug of water that were beside his head? Saul recognized David's voice and called out, Is that you, my son David? And David replied, Yes, my lord, the king. Why are you chasing me? What have I done? What is my crime? But now let, the, let my lord, the king, listen to his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the Lord, for they have driven me from my home so I can no longer live among the Lord's people. And they have said, go worship pagan gods. Must I die on foreign soil far from the presence of the Lord? Why has the king of Israel come out to search for a single flea? Why doesn't he, why does he hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? Then Saul confessed, I have sinned, come back home, my son, and I will no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. I have been a fool and very, very wrong. Here is your spear, O king, David replied. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal, and I refuse to kill you even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed one. Now may the Lord value my life even as I have valued yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. And Saul said to David, Blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds, and you will surely succeed. Then David went away, and Saul returned home. So Saul knows that it's coming, and that David's time is coming to be king. And he, he doesn't quite know what to do with this. And David didn't kill Saul. And Saul is once again moved by David's mercy, and he vows once again to stop pursuing David to kill him. And David would not lay a hand on Saul because Saul was anointed as king, and as respect of the authority and, and the king that he is, he is still on the throne, he is still in authority, he's not going to harm the king. He knows that God is faithful. God is always faithful. And David is walking out that faith and trust in God, even when things don't always look like they 
are coming forth around him. He is still going to stand firm that God is faithful to his promises. And David trusted God in that God was going to bring his will to pass. And God shows David's power, the power of God on display through David. He shows David's anointing of God through his actions. And God's power in almighty sovereignty is on display to the enemy right here. And David has the fear of the Lord and there's 3000 people around him, but he trusts God and no one was watching the king. No one was guarding the king. So he rebukes Abner, the commander of the troops. And Abner first met David in 1 Samuel 17, 55. That was the first time that he met David. And it was right after he killed Goliath and he walked up with Goliath's head in his hand. This ruthless young kid with a giant's head in his hand. That's when David met met Abner. And now he taunts Abner like, look at what I just did. Who are you? You're not protecting your king. And David keeps going and God keeps showing up and David keeps trusting God and God is moving and God is getting David into the proper place for the perfect time when he will take over as king. And he speaks truth into Saul and he's engaging Saul with this truth and he shows mercy to Saul. And Saul is, again, sorry, but he's not showing godly sorrow. He's showing worldly sorrow. He's sorry he got caught. He's sorry that he was shamed. He's sorry he was humiliated. He's sorry that the people around him are seeing this because he's worried about his image. And he's sorry that he hasn't taken David out and been able to murder him. And he looks foolish. So he's sorry that he looks foolish. But is he truly sorry and repentant towards David? I don't think so. And we'll see that again here. And we'll continue in chapter seven, verse, chapter 27, verse 1. But David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting me in the Israelite territory and I will finally be safe. So the Philistines are the enemy. He doesn't believe Saul. He doesn't believe that Saul is going to stop coming after him. And he's struggling with this. And he's like, where are we going to go? I'll just hide in enemy camp. He won't look there. So David took his 600 men and went over and joined Achish, the son of Maach, the king of Gath. And again, this was where Goliath was from. In verse 3, David and his men and their family settled there with Achish at Gath. David brought his two wives along with him, Ahinaheim from Jezreel and Abigail, Nabal's widow from Carmel. Word soon reached Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he stopped hunting for him. So David was right. Saul was still hunting him. Verse 5. One day David said to Akish, if it's all right with you, we would rather live in one of the country towns instead of here in the royal city. And this is the same city, by the way, that he went to last time where Goliath was from, and he pretended to be crazy, so they sent him away. But this time he's actually sane and talking like a sane man. So in verse 6, Akish gave him the town of Ziglag, which still belongs to the kings of Judah to this day. And they lived there among the Philistines for a year and four months. David and his men spent their time raiding the Gushurites, the Gizrites, and the Amalekites, people who had lived near shore toward the land of Egypt since ancient times. David did not leave one person alive in the villages he attacked. He took the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, camels, and clothing before returning home to see King Akish. Where did you make your raid today? Akish would ask. And David 
would reply, against the south of Judah, the Jeremalites and the Kenites, no one was left alive to come to Gath and tell where he had really been. This happened again and again while he was living among the Philistines. Achish believed David and thought to himself, by now the people of Israel must hate him bitterly. Now he will have to stay here and serve me forever. So he... He leave. He goes and attacks these villages, and he leaves no eyewitnesses. So there's no one that can attest to what he's truly doing, and he's attacking people that are friendly to the Philistines. And this ends up being his pattern for a year and four months, while he hides out in enemy camp as a secret inside agent. And he is still standing and trusting in God that God's will is going to come forth. He's not forcing it. He's waiting on God. And David has not left Israel. He isn't in Israel physically at this time, but Israel is still in David. He is just hiding out for the time being. So we'll continue this journey tomorrow. I hope you have a great day, y'all.